Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome back to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Alan Zislowski here with Cody Carpentier from playerprofile.com. What's up, Cody? What's up, my man? This is uh, was on here, what, a couple months ago? This is fun to get on here and chop it up with you, man. How you doing? Yeah, good. Cody is one of uh, my personal favorite guests is because the work he's doing over at Player Profiler, it really does translate to figuring out who's going to break out in fantasy football, and that's what Cody's here to talk about today. We're going to talk about five rookies that based on his analytics, his profiles that he's developed as director of content over at Roto Underworld and Player Profiler, um, who has a good chance to break out. But before we even get into that, Cody, uh, news of the day strikes. Sony Michelle is headed to the Rams. Uh, what's Give me the, the whole fallout to take for fantasy football this year. I mean, the, you know, right when Cam Akers went down, everybody looked at Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson's got to be jumped up into the fourth round, the fifth round. He didn't quite make up that far in ADP. Um, and then people were like, maybe Xavier Jones is that guy. Maybe, maybe Jake Funk can do something. Nah, they didn't really, you know, McVay didn't really lean towards them. He even, he really hasn't pushed like all in on Daryl Henderson. And then Daryl Henderson has the hand injury this last week. And I think that might have been the last straw where like McVay is like, all right, we got to go get somebody. And, Honestly, my first instinct was maybe they go after a free agent. Maybe they actually try and bring Gurley back. Like maybe he's got <laughs> half of a leg left or something. Um, but the, the Michelle news broke today. Um, I think that's pretty big. Why? Because the, the running back coach in L.A. is a Georgia alum. I believe his name's Thomas Brown. And he, I mean, as you know, Sony Michelle went to Georgia. This is a guy that he's going to get his guy. So I would say it's going to be a running back by committee, but – it's probably going to be both Daryl and Sony as the lead guys. That's uh, I'm probably not going to be drafting either one though, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it was kind of obvious in a sense that they were going to bring that the Rams were going to find yeah. somebody. I thought maybe it was when those cuts started happening. You've heard names like Sony Michelle's not a shocker name to go over there. We've heard that name. We've heard Royce Freeman, a couple other guys. And if you have already rostered Daryl Henderson, I think this is kind of the perfect situation in a sense. And now I'm not talking about if you have to draft him coming up. Sony Michelle, he's going to be part of the game plan, but this is not somebody that's going to take over the backfield, right? No, he's he's not going to come in and take like 300 touches like you saw you wanted out of Cam Akers. He's definitely not going to be that guy. Um, 
But I, I think this what this might do is this might say a little bit more of what the Patriots think of guys they have in house, like JJ Taylor, Ramondre Stevens, and that's that's I think this might say more about what New England thinks what they have than it is what maybe the, the Rams are just looking for that depth piece to really add into their running back by committee uh kind of kind of angle that they're gonna take on the season. Um and I mean you know, they, they blew up a first-round pick in New England on Sonny Michelle, but at least they recuperated a little bit from him, I guess. Uh, I think what I read was, like, what, fifth and sixth-round compensatory that could turn into a fourth. Um, so not terrible, honestly, value on a, on a guy that they that pretty much busted in New England. Yeah, and if you're watching on the live feed, I see people jumping in in the chat. Feel free to let us know what you think of where Daryl Henderson should go. Uh, for those of you listening on the audio podcast, we're about to talk about the top five breakout rookies in a few minutes, but I just want to cover one other news item of the day. Travis Etienne fallout. I mean, if you listen to any podcast, everyone's going to have a take on this. Obviously, it's a terrible thing, but uh, where, where do you, what's your immediate reaction, uh, James Robinson, for redraft purposes? Where do you think that he should kind of fall in right now? Uh, for James Robinson, like me personally, like what was he? He finished at RB, I believe, seven or, or ten last year, I believe it was. Um, but for me, like I think he vaults himself straight into the Chris Carson tier. Chris Carson, uh, J.K. Dobbins, um, he finished his RB seven last year, a thousand yards on the ground, three hundred forty five in the air, fifty receptions, ten total touchdowns. How how is he not? He's seventeen point seven fantasy points per game last year. That was fifth. Um, I. I I really like James Robinson. I don't love him. I never did love him. Um, but now with ETN injury, what is it? Carlos Hyde is Carlos Hyde really going to take away 150 touches. We know urban Meyer loves him, but um, I think this vaults James Robinson right into the fourth round without question. Yeah. I think that we're even going to see as the running back thirst starts to get greater and greater. I think there's a chance that you're going to see him on the two, three turn. And the reason I'm, I'm saying that is that I look back at some of the best ball drafts and I know running back thirst is even a little heavier in best ball, but I look back to some of the drafts I did earlier in February, March, and April, and James Robinson was squarely in the second round. So if there's some anchoring to his, his new, his old ADP in the seventh round, yeah. maybe the third round. So it'll be somewhere in between there. Uh, obviously as more camp reports come out, and we all know what happens if he breaks a run in the preseason finale or uh, yeah. something else. So, uh, all right, Cody, let's um, let's talk a little. We're going to come back and talk about a little bit more current events. But first, your superpower, which I admire, and that's why I love having you on the podcast, is that you have uh, this rookie analysis, young player analysis, the algorithm that you, uh, the inputs that you make over on PlayerProfile.com, really helps point to breakout players. So let's start with your top five rookies based on the analytics that you're observing, that you're analyzing, and profiles. Who is most likely to produce for us this season? We're in the heart of redraft season. Who's your first rookie, and what's the reason why? I I, I got to give a lot of a lot of shout out help to to Josh. Josh does a lot of work on the back. Josh end. Larkey, you're talking. Josh about. Josh Larkey does a lot a lot, lot of the analytic work on the back end that helps this this stuff work. Um, but but some of the guys that that were pushed right to us, especially through the breakout finder, was was Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore coming in the second round. You all know how fast he is. He's a small guy though, five seven, one eighty one. He goes in the middle of the second round. He's currently going off the board at one hundred nine on his ADP. Um, his freshman season at Purdue, he had twelve hundred fifty eight yards receiving on one hundred and forty eight targets. Um, if that doesn't translate to the NFL, I don't know what will. Um, his breakout finder rating was 46.9. Uh, that's top four in the class, 47 dynamic score, 53.6 level of competition. Very high-end numbers here. 
Um, and, and like I said, 96th percentile burst, 96th percentile 40-yard dash, 94th percentile agility. And in that Arizona offense where you have your ex, DeAndre Hopkins, they bring in A.J. Green, a guy that can literally play in a, a hybrid tight end role. He can play out wide as an ex. He can play all over. You're going to be able to have Kirk, Christian Kirk run down the field, DeAndre Hopkins work across the middle, and Rondell Moore is literally going to eat up everything, kind of like you see like with LaVisca Chenault, Debo Samuel, guys around the line of scrimmage that can just be yak monsters. And I think that's going to translate very well, especially in this Arizona offense. Yeah, and you saw it in the preseason too. I mean, I know those weren't like dynamic, crazy plays, but just yeah. the usage alone, you're like, oh, this is everything we thought. Because so many times we get excited about the rookies and then, you know, nothing happens. You're like, oh yeah, they're a rookie. But you could see it. You could see the jet sweeps possibly coming, the short passing game. So, you know, this is what I like to, it, after each rookie, I also I want you to talk about where you would draft them. So if you're in a draft, like so many people that are watching this video today and listening to this podcast, and where would you draft uh, Rondell Moore? Is he uh, is he an eighth round pick, a twelfth round pick? Like, if you want to get him proactively, where do you have to draft him? Yeah. So right now, an underdog, he's going at the at the turn to start the tenth round. He's wide assured fifty three off the board, um, and in the last week, he's he's jumped up ten spots. So he's jumped up a full round. Um, so you're going to be looking in that 10, 11 round spot um, in redraft, especially in leagues with with uh, maybe your home leagues. You, you're going to be able to get him in the 12th or 13th, but in a more competitive league, you're going to want to be looking in that in the 10th round, maybe the maybe the ninth. Um, it really depending on your build and how you're going at it. But um, I, I I like Rondo more. It might take him a couple of weeks. It takes a lot of these rookies a couple of weeks to get really get into it. Um, but I think he translates very well to the NFL where. He's a guy that doesn't need to uh, exactly win downfield. He can win near the line of scrimmage, and that's going to benefit him in the long run and in the short term. And who's his best comparable player over a player profile where you guys uh, – who do you have for him? T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Yeah. Hilton is his best comparable player. That's uh, completely speed, size, uh, draft capital driven. He is uh, you know, very, very close comparable, but he also has traits to play – near the line of scrimmage, whereas T.Y. Hilton's more downfield threat, which Rondell, that's what I'm saying. That's why I love Rondell, because he can literally do both. That's that's the benefit that he Yeah, he's the, even though he's uh, short in stature, he's he's built pretty well, and he's diverse. Yeah. His game is diverse. Okay, who's your number four? We're, we're counting down five rookies. These aren't necessarily in order, but these are uh, Cody's five most likely players to break out that from our this rookie class. Who's player number four? We'll stay with the same last name, Elijah Moore, 5'9", 178, another second-round pick. These Moore brothers, they've been talked about heavily going into the draft. Elijah Moore got propped up. There was even some talk about being a first-round pick. He ended up going 202 in the NFL draft, um, whereas like the more analytics people liked Rondell a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, deep threat. I saw that. Rondell will be a deep threat as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, but, yeah, Elijah Moore, like he comes into this offense, and I talk about this a lot on Twitter. Having that dog mentality, Elijah Moore has the dog mentality. When you see him uh, getting getting touted by A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, all these guys from Ole Miss that he played with, um, his level of competition, 49.1, ranks very well in the breakout finder. Reason being, he played with D.K., A.J. Brown, Dawson Knox, all these guys. There's even a couple guys that he played with that made to the pros, but they're not dudes like Demarcus Lodge, Trey Nixon, guys like that. Um, 21.3 years old, 92nd percentile 40-yard dash, 98th percentile agility, best comparable to Tyler Lockett 
Um, and you've already seen it. You've seen a lot of the buzz early this during camp of Elijah Moore. He had a quad injury this last week, but Elijah Moore's a guy that can come in day one, steal that job from Jamison Crowder, steal the job from Keelan Cole. These guys are, you know, Crowder's a very underrated receiver, but Elijah Moore is the next level of, of a Jamison Crowder. And and to where you can draft him at, you're going to be in the in the later part um, of the draft. Oop, sorry, I just lost my Yeah, it's, my you screen. know what? It's okay, but you know, I was going to say about Elijah Moore too, and I think I heard um, uh, Sigmund Bloom talk about this over at Football Guys. He was saying that the beat writer Connor is it Connor Hughes is the Jets beat writer. I, I forget his exact name, but he said that every time he tries to focus and concentrate on somebody else at Jets practice, he can't help himself but watch Elijah Moore. I mean, you're not going to take a lot from beat writer quotes. We take them with a grain of salt. Yeah. We put them through our own filter, but. That one, it's like we always talk about the eye test. It's not a yeah. metric. It's counter to what you talk about over at Player Profiler. But, you know, the eye test does mean something. You watch football. We watch a lot of football. And you want to see that early round pick pop off the screen. And Elijah Moore is doing that. And I think that, you know, right now it's funny because he was going ahead of Corey Davis in redraft leagues. And now that gap seems to, that it seems to be switching again uh, with, with positive buzz and a lot of targets going Corey Davis's way in the preseason. You're seeing Corey Davis. Davis's ADP shoot up and Elijah Moore sort of fall back into the double digit rounds uh, of those two players, the veteran Corey Davis or Elijah Moore, which one would you think is um, a better draft pick for 2021? I think from the jump, it's going to be Corey Davis, the connection being in that X role, he's going to be the guy targeted often. Um, and you're going to get more consistency right away. But as the season wanes, I think Elijah Moore is going to take that next step. And I think this benefits him a lot being that what their number one tight end right now, I know we all want it to be Chris Herndon, but it's Tyler Croft. And similar to if you look at the uh, the Bengals, the Bengals have Higgins, Chase, Boyd, no tight end, really. It's like Uzoma, right? You go to the Jets, you're looking at Mims, Davis, two big outside guys, and then Moore fitting in kind of like if you want to compare situations to the Tyler Boyd role. Um, and that Tyler Boyd role is beneficial because of the underneath routes, the deep threat. All the things in beneath because you have the two guys like Denzel Mims and Corey Davis, supreme athletes and supreme talents on the outside. Um, and, and I think long-term Elijah Moore, you know, you're looking at a back-end season breakout. Um, early on, he was dealing with a quad injury right now, which you don't love. But um, I think as the season goes on, Elijah Moore ends up being the guy that's more valuable. Okay, at this time, we're just going to take a quick break. Sorry, a quick break from a word from our sponsors. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 
Okay, we're back. That wasn't for you, YouTube audience. That was for our audio podcast listeners. Uh, okay, we are counting down the top five rookies most likely to break out. I'm with Cody Carpentier from Player Profiler. I'm Alan Soslowski, and this is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We've already talked about Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore. Who's your third rookie most likely to break out in 2021? Let's go to a sophomore because you said rookies and sophomores earlier. Yep, rookies and, and sophomores. We're talking about players that have not yet had their second yeah. season. So we're going to talk about rookies yeah. and players entering their second year. I should have stipulated that. Yeah, you're good. You're good. And, and Brian Edwards is my guy. So Brian Edwards ranked very well last year on the breakout finder. Came in number two, 51.5. Level of competition and teammate score well above 90th percentile. Um, and the reason he didn't break out last year, there's there's a handful of guys, LaVisca Chanel, Jalen Ragger, and Brian Edwards that – came into the season with nagging injuries, really through the process, broke like Edwards broke his foot, LaVisca had a groin injury, Ragger had injuries the whole season. Guys that never really had a full like Justin Jefferson, he didn't nobody had camp, but he had time of health to pick up and, and be that guy. Whereas these guys were all nagging injuries, didn't get to practice as much. Brian Edwards is a guy, you already seen it. He's healthy, he's dominating. And last year he only had 11 receptions for 193 yards. Uh, very disappointing, but he's not even 23 years old yet. Still comparable to Corey Davis, six foot three, two twelve, and he's got his coach coming out comparing him to what Terrell Owens, like John Gruden. All right, that's a hot take. <laughs> come on, man. But come on, man. Like seriously. But no, like he's a dog. He's got the exact same thing I was talking about with Elijah Moore. He has it, and I mean, he's going to go out there and he's going to take control of that number one spot. Like last year, we saw Darren Waller dominate. Like. Henry Ruggs didn't do much. Nelson Aguilar was a deep threat. If if this offense can take that next step and, and contribute to Brian Edwards, like this guy's going to be a beast in the NFL. He had the youngest breakout age of all time on player profiler, 17.8. That ranks 100th percentile. His college dominator, 48.4%, 94th percentile. This guy's been dominating since day one that he stepped on the field at South Carolina. Um, and his ADP has jumped immensely over the last month. A month ago, he was going 157th off the board. He's all the way up to 127th off the board. So he jumped 30 spots in the last about 20 days. So, so I'm gonna. I have a so a question that I actually would people ask me when we when I had you on last time, and I think it's a really short, it's a good question is when you talk about dominator rating, say it in layman's terms. What does that actually mean? What's a dominator rating on player profile? What is what what are the secret ingredients? Well, not the secret. What are the main ingredients in something like that? The main ingredient is is how how much did they dominate their own team's college share? So like Brian Edwards, we know he played with Shai Smith. We know he played with Debo Samuel. How much did he dominate in that situation with who he played with? So you're going to see a lot of guys like like a Ruggs, like a Devonta Smith, generally aren't going to have generally in general terms, right? There's like eight guys at Alabama at all times, so their college dominators aren't going to be as high. Um, but a guy like Kelvin Johnson at Georgia Tech, who it's him by himself. He's going to be, I believe, he's like in the sixth, upper 60th percent, upper 60 percent college dominator, which is is absolutely ridiculous. But it's Georgia Tech. You have to understand their offense and how they run. But this is uh, South Carolina. Brian Edwards at South Carolina, 48.4 percent, 94th percentile college dominator. He was literally 50 percent almost of his team's output on offense. Just think about that in in terms of like watching a team play, like. 
Fifty percent of the time, the yards are yards on offense are going to Brian Edwards. That's how you gotta look at that. You know, it's someone they made the joke to me one time. They said, "Imagine when you played like you played pickup basketball at some point, right? Yeah. Like at the gym or whatever. And say some guy took fifty percent of the shots, you'd be like, you'd yeah. hate that guy, right? You'd be like, oh, this guy. But when you're talking about the amount of and but Brian Edwards dominated fifty percent of the work and was successful with it, that's good for our fantasy football team. So, you know that. So, what would you say is a good benchmark for dominator rating? Which do, what percent dominator rating is something that really opens your eyes? Uh, I mean, anything over thirty percent really catches your eye. Um, the twenty percent area is is kind of like a goal, I guess you'd say. A twenty five percent gets you to the next level, but thirty percent up really is when you start you know, sparking your attention. Um, if you want to compare it to some other guys like a, uh, who I got up in here, Elijah Moore's at 41.9%. Um, he's 85th percentile. Uh, I don't believe Rondo Moore was quite that high. Look, um, but it, it's 25.6%. So Rondo Moore right at that, at that gap where it's like getting there, but not quite getting there. And that's because his freshman season was so dominant and then he deal, dealt with some injuries. So it kind of deterred him a little bit, but um, if he would have been healthy the rest of the way, he definitely would have been in that in that area. But a guy like like Josh Palmer, for example, 40th percentile. He's at he's at Tennessee. He didn't do too much, but he was there. He was in the offense. The offense wasn't great, but he still kind of had some output. So you, you take notice of small things like that. But if it's at like 10 percent, you're like, OK, why did this guy not dominate? There's there's something behind the curtain. Why didn't he dominate at a small school, especially, for example? Yeah, that's that's interesting to uh, to use because so it's not just the one number. You have to use them in conjunction, and they then you start to put together the piece. And that's why we have Cody on today because he is using all these pieces of data from over a player profiler to come over here and tell us who are the top five rookies and sophomores, second year players who haven't played in their second year yet, who are likely to break out based on the metrics that he is looking at. Okay, we've talked about both Moores, Rondell and Elijah Moore. We've talked about Brian Edwards. We've got two more rookies to highlight, or sophomores. Who is your second most likely rookie to break out in 2021? I'm going to go a little under the cover a little bit here. Josh Palmer, rookie, third-round pick out of Los Angeles, actually out of Tennessee, plays for the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, best comparable to Jacoby Jones, um, if you remember him from the Baltimore Ravens. His metrics don't jump off the chart at you. Um, he ran a 4.44 in high school. He had a 73rd percentile speed score in high school. He ran a 4.57 coming out of the combine, 58th percentile speed score. Everything else is average, right? 43rd, 51st percentile. Nothing really jumps off. But it's the same thing that goes for all these guys that come out of Michigan. We, we call it the Harbaugh handicap because everyone co goes into Michigan, five-star, four-star prospect, and then they kind of put out, and it's really are they going to make it in the pros. You saw that with Donovan Peoples-Jones last year, another guy you're going to see come out this year, um, Nico Collins. But um, same thing at Tennessee, right? Tennessee's had multiple guys, Marquez, uh, Callaway, Cordero Patterson, just guys that go in there and don't really do a lot, and they have to build their way up in the pros. Um, Josh Palmer, 400 plus yards receiving each of the last three years on just 46, 50, 65 targets, um, 15, 13, 23% target shares in that offense. He he's been there and with the dominator, like we talked about a minute ago, 26%, but he's at 6'1, 210. He's a very strong build, not 22 years old yet. And when you actually compare his metrics side by side with Keenan Allen, they're eerily similar, eerily similar. Yeah. Now that uh, Josh Palmer, somebody that, in a typical draft, and I agree with you that he is one of the most interesting players, but you probably don't feel 
comfortable drafting him in a typical 16 round five bench league. But if I was to predict, and I'm going to ask you this question later, and I hope it is that who's going to be the hot week one or week two waiver wire pickup. Josh Palmer has to be a favorite to be one of those wide receivers. Yeah, that's not, it's not, it's not so much. You're going to draft Josh Palmer. It's, this is a more so a guy that you need to pay attention to as far as injuries go, because this offense is going to throw a lot. This offense is going to be explosive with Justin Herbert, Eckler out of the backfield. They're not going to run too much. They're obviously going to run, but right. It's going to be more pass happy. And if you have Keenan Allen taking a lot of the chairs, you're going to have a couple tight ends out there. You're going to have Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton running deep down the field, but Mike Williams continues to get hurt. Hip flexor injury already popping up. Hip flexors. We know they linger. And if they linger and he's out and it's literally Keenan Allen, a couple tight ends. And then you're looking at Tyron Johnson, Josh Palmer's going to get opportunities. And that's just, that's just the facts. So if something actually goes down and it's a big injury for Mike Williams and heaven forbid something happens to Keenan Allen, I don't want anything to happen to Keenan Allen, but Josh Palmer is 6'1", 210. Keenan Allen, 6'2", 210. Both were early third round picks. They actually were draft 313 in the 2021 draft was Josh Palmer. Keenan Allen was the 3.14 in 2013. And neither of them are overly athletic. They're just eerily similar athletes or eerily similar prospects. Um, so, He's just a guy you need to keep your eye out on. That's the thing. Yeah. And I think he will break out by the end of the season just because of injuries and how explosive this offense is. It's funny that Mike Williams does get hurt often, but it's almost like no fault of his own. Like he goes up yeah. and I mean, you've seen the highlight plays. He goes up and tries to just shove guys out of the way to grab the ball. And then he's got like no regard for his own body. He'll just fall awkwardly and stuff. So it's not that he's one of these guys that just, can't yeah. stay on the field it's that he's putting his all out there so i like that call josh palmer because i try to identify who those players might be on the week one because yeah. week one and week two in the waiver wire in your typical league is are the most yeah the most important that's where i spend like 70 percent of my budget i know that's sometimes people don't think that's optimal but especially if it's a running back that pops those are the times to get them we agree on that all right and i and i don't and i don't think like this offense too, like there's not a lot. It's not like you're looking at CD Lamb, Mari Cooper, you know, Michael Gallup. It's not like there's not that many weapons there. So if, if, it wouldn't surprise you if he goes out there, Keenan Allen pulls in 11 targets, Mike Williams gets four, and then Josh Palmer throws in eight. And eight targets week one as a rookie, you're going to be looking at me like, oh, this guy is going to get usage with everyone on the field. What happens if somebody's not on the field? It's just one of those guys that, especially in deeper leagues, you're going to stash him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we've counted down four rookies or sophomores that are likely to break out according to Cody's analytics. All right. Now, who is the number one player on your list? Rookie or is it a rookie or a sophomore player? We're going sophomore for the number one okay. guy. All right. So pay attention because this is someone you're going to need to draft in your typical 16 round draft. So Cody, who is it? This is a guy that I'm literally going to target. You're targeting him late. But you have reason. You have reason. It's going to sound a little bit off right away, but you're going to be targeting him late for one reason. If you're a little light on receiver, if you go running back heavy, you get a good tight end, you quarterback, you need some depth at receiver, and you've already seen the, the, the injuries coming out of Baltimore have been absolutely ridiculous. Bateman goes down. Watkins goes down. Brown hasn't practiced. Boykin hasn't practiced. The list goes on and on as far as receivers. And there has to be someone to throw to other than Andrews. We know Mark Andrews is going to be there. We know Dobbins is going to be there. But who's the receiver? That's getting all of the opportunities, all of the targets with everybody out. It's Devin DuVernay out of Texas. 26.0 on the breakout rating, 60.0 level of competition at Texas. Devin DuVernay is a guy 
that I had him best comparable to Christian Kirk. Player profiler has him best comparable to Malcolm Mitchell. He's a mixture of the both. Runs a 4.39, 95th percentile 40-yard dash, 5'11", 200 pounds. He got third-round draft capital, not a seventh round, third-round draft capital. He's turning 24 years old the next couple months. 32% college dominator, which is 60th percentile, 80th percentile college target share. Um, he broke out a little late. And last year, only 20 receptions for 200 yards. Um, but but there was a lot of guys really to play around with. He was a rookie, and there was no preseason. So it, there's a lot of things moving around. But what really like makes me get pushed into a guy like this, um, I kind of broke this down a little bit the other day, was there was 138 receivers in the NFL last year that had 20-plus targets on the entire season. When you break it down by average depth of target, yak, targets, that's like a couple of the main things that I like to target in on. And if you break it down by that, there was 11 guys that had an average A dot of under eight that finished with more than three yards after contact, three, three yards after catch per target. And there was nine of them finished with over 100 targets and all of them finished in the top 100. The only one that didn't top, finish in the top – 50 was Debo Samuel and one guy that is uh, comparable to all these guys. Sorry. It's kind of jumbled to say, no, it's not jumbled because one, you know, it, one it's guy that's, yeah, I yeah. was just going to say that the, the player that Devin Duvernay reminds me of from a usage perspective is Debo Samuel. Yeah. That's what so, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. So yeah. And, and the list I'm going to read off to you really quickly, all these guys finished in the top 100 Debo Samuel. Like I said, he didn't get all the snaps last year because he was injured, but 10 of these 11 guys finished in the top 50 in PPR scoring last year. Um, and they're all, when I read this list off to you, you're going to know each one of these guys as being an undervalued guy right now. Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, Juju, Deontay Johnson, Curtis Samuel, Cooper Cup, Cole Beasley, Jarvis Landry, Crowder, LaVisca Chenault, Debo Samuel, all guys that are continue to like finish top 50. Most of these guys are in the top 30 in fantasy PPR, and they get overlooked because of, low a dot but they're yak monsters and Debo and devin duvernay 125th and a dot 13th lowest 10th and yak after target 4.3 but he only had 26 I, targets last year i love the the players that you throw them the short pass and then they become a running back basically in a wide receiver yeah. yeah in a wide receiver position because those are the type of players that could also sneak a few rushing touchdowns at the goal line as well i mean yeah. it wouldn't shock me at all if we look up in week 3 and we're like devin duvernay is wide receiver 16 on the year Oh exactly. Yeah. So he not he I would even classify him where we had Josh Palmer as yeah. a waiver wire watch player. I think that you could reasonably take Devin Duvernay with your last pick. I mean, uh, you know, That's, I've I've, yeah. I've been in drafts already, Cody, where I've taken like Marquez Valdez Scantling with my last pick. And it's been like, what am I doing? So so and I and I like that angle you're looking at there with Marquez Valdez Scantling, but at the same time, for me, that's more of a best ball pick. And the reason being is because everyone around him. Right, you have Adams there. You have they brought in Rodgers. They brought in Cobb. They got yeah, I get Tanya, it. I all get these it. other options. And I and I don't hate Marcos Valdez Scantling by any means. I don't hate him. But why I would lean towards Duvernay and what you said in most leagues, you're going to be able to add in after week one or week two. But the way that this this whole thing is going and why I have him, why I waited to say him till number one, not because he's my number one breakout, not because of that, but because of what I see from him. He just has the it factor. He's going literally like you can get him in the last round. You can get him with your last pick on underdog right now. You're going to be able to get him in the last round or as a free agent ad after an injury happens to your team before the season starts. Um, but Devin Duvernay right now, he's literally competing with James Prochet and Tylen Wallace 
for opportunities in Baltimore in the receiver position. And everything that's coming out um, from from the Baltimore news is he's dominating. He's making all the big catches. He's 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 the guy. The offense had pre-snap problems early, but it smoothed things out. And Devon knew Devon Duvernay had a bunch of nice catches that came from Jonas Schaefer, a Baltimore Ravens uh, reporter, and. I don't think people understand the importance of, of just that opportunity. Like you literally have Rashad Bateman, Hollywood Brown, Sammy Watkins, Miles Boykin, all of them haven't practiced for like the last 10 days. This guy's literally getting number one wide receiver opportunities in practice. And like, once that genie's out of the bottle, it's hard to put back in if he's performing like he is. That's so big. Like that's just so big from an opportunity standpoint. And it's a guy that's basically a free square. You're going to be able to throw him in there and, and it, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. So you know, let's switch. so those are your top five uh, rookies and sophomores likely to break out. I love all the calls. So you know, these are players that you, if you're listening on the podcast feed, you need to write them down, and you need to like keep those guys in mind as you get towards the back end of your draft because all the value has been squeezed out of players like Marcus Callaway. Right, you're not getting yep. him in the ele- in the 14th round anymore. He's now at like a seventh and eighth round pick. Whether that's correct evaluation or not, it's just the facts. So forget him. He's he's over as far as value. Uh, and, and that happens throughout the preseason. So the idea is to get a few of these guys on your teams before they follow that same path or make a splash play in the preseason. Cody, let's switch over to a little bit of strategy talk right now. What do you think the biggest mistake people will make during their drafts, uh, during their redraft leagues when they're drafting with their either their colleagues, a competitive field? What do you think is a common mistake people make? Going in with a plan. Your plan should be to have the best starting lineup. Your plan should not be to have, um, you know, so and so told me to, to draft three three running backs from the start. So and so told me to draft three receivers from the start. Um, so and so told me not to draft a quarterback here. Um, it, let the value fall to you. Know uh, who you like. Know where they're going. Know where they're going in your format. Know where they're going. Know your scoring. That's number one. Know your scoring and know who benefits most in your scoring. If you're in a league that has points per first down, uh, know that. Know who scores. Know who contributes to scoring first downs um, in those leagues. Know know your scoring is like number one. Um, but but secondly, I would say don't go in with a plan of like I'm going to go zero RB. I'm going to go anchor RB. I'm going to go robust. Don't go in with that plan because if something falls to you, and and we see this a lot, especially these running backs have been falling even further and further. Um, there, there's no more dead zone this year. It doesn't seem. And I think you can take advantage of that, um, just letting the drafts fall to you. And that's would be my main thing that I, I try to look for every year is value. Let the value fall, take advantage of it, try to foresee it, um, and, and, and definitely do mock drafts, I would say. Fill in the blank. Every time blank gets drafted in the first round, I'm relieved I don't have to take him. People aren't going <laughs> to like this. People, people aren't going to like this one. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's it's uh, it's Aaron Jones. You're right. People are not gonna like that. But I I understand. But God, explain why every time that Aaron Jones gets drafted, you're relieved that you don't have to take him. Because I I like the prospect of him. Um, and and this is not being a Vikings fan. This is like literally I like Aaron Jones a lot as a prospect. We have him like he's best comparable to Christian McCaffrey. He's the guy that we think could be the next Christian Christian McCaffrey. But when you look at an opportunity standpoint, he, he was at about 60% last year and Jamal Williams was there and then AJ Dillon crept in late in the season. And everyone says, well, Rogers doesn't like playing with rookie running backs. Well, he did at the end of last year. He loved AJ Dillon and you saw AJ Dillon come in and he's going to keep pushing, but 
you lose Jamal Williams, but people don't realize that you threw in another dart. And that other dart that you throw into that backfield that has been excelling very well the last couple of weeks is Kylan Hill. And I'm not saying Kylan Hill is going to do anything this year other than be a pain in the ass to Aaron Jones owners. And, and that's By the not way, from in, yeah. in the, the mock drafts that we did together with, yeah. uh, you know, Roto Underworld, uh, yeah. when I was taking Kylan Hill, I was getting, you know, I was getting skewered, but I was taking him a little early. This was before the draft, but you agree he's a good player. Oh, I, I think he's a, I think he's a phenomenal player because I think he fits literally in that exact role of Jamal Williams, which is terrible for Aaron Jones owners. And I don't think they want to hear that. But 14.1 percent college target share, 92nd, 92nd percentile. Um, as a running back, he actually finished off 2020 with 23 receptions in two games. Three games. Right? Oh, it, in was three, th- it was three, in, games? In three, okay. games. three games, but he had 23 receptions and only 15 rushing attempts. I mean, if, if we see a college running back come out of the season with 23 receptions, we're like, okay, they can catch the football. Like that's a number for me. That number is about 2025 yeah. for the season. You're talking about uh, Kylan Hill, the rookie running back that's now on the Packers had uh, 23 receptions in three college games this year. Yeah ridiculous and and his his metrics don't jump off the board at you but i'm not telling you he shouldn't have been a seventh round pick either he should have been more of a third or fourth round pick um this class what was what it was um but i'm also i'm not saying don't go draft kylan hill but what my point is um is i'm fading this backfield altogether because having these three guys that are all very capable of everything aaron jones can do everything dylan can run and he's learning to catch even more kylan hill can run but he's a phenomenal pass catcher like, I think they're going to benefit. They're just going to benefit from having great players in the backfield more so than fantasy. I don't think a first-round ADP with Aaron Jones is going to pay off. Last year, we loved him. You know, that that mid to late second-round pick, I'll take it. But as a top-10 guy, I just I can't get on board with that because I don't think it pays off having this much talent in the backfield. Plus, you're talking about having Adams and Tanyan, who are red zone monsters. Like, I, I just can't, honestly. Yeah, and it, there's no doubt in my mind that Kylan Hill, it, one week in the middle of the season, is going to be the waiver wire pickup. Whether it's just a mild injury by Aaron from Aaron Jones, or they're yeah. you know in a longer season, they're saying hey, they proactively tell you Aaron Jones is going to get the NBA star treatment where they they rest him. I mean, Green Bay is interested in winning a Super Bowl this year, as they know this exactly. is probably the last year they're going to be with Aaron Rodgers in all likelihood. Okay, That's a couple more. Cool couple more questions for you, Cody. So my favorite part of the NFL season is that, you know, guys like you, like, like us, we, we study the NFL all year round. I mean, we have these takes, our takes change, they go up, they go down, but week one is all about the reveal. We finally get to see what is actually going to happen. What is the week one reveal that you are most looking forward to seeing? And for me, I'll just, while you're thinking that through, like, for example, I want to see if Kyle Pitts is any good because if you can imagine what happens, uh, what's going to happen on Twitter and social media, that if t- Kyle Pitts catches seven balls for 80 yards and two touchdowns, it, it, Twitter might actually destruct, self-destruct, or the opposite. He gets one catch for eight yards. So I'm interested to see what happens. And I know week one doesn't mean anything, but yeah. what's the reveal that you're most looking forward to seeing? I, just what you said, though. I want to see what – you know, rookie running back, rookie receiver that we haven't talked. It happens every year where a rookie running back or rookie receiver pops in the first week or two of the season that you didn't see coming. Nobody talked about in, in the in the preseason. Nobody talked about. None of the reporters reported anything. That's kind of like you also can go to this like Jamar Chase thing the last few weeks. And I'm not saying like, oh, this is like taking the easy road out. Like Jamar Chase is going to go for 100 yards. But like 
Cincinnati is is notoriously quiet. It's a small market. They don't talk about anybody really. And and they don't they're not gonna be like a New York team where it's like, oh Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore. It's it's be quiet and then they say a little bit, they're like, oh, Jamar Chase can't catch the football. Okay, well, really? Like it w- wouldn't surprise me if if something like you just said with Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase comes out, he garners eight targets, he has the rapport, he goes for hundred yards and a touchdown, and people are like, All right, he's exactly who we thought he was. Yeah. So is there so Jamar Chase is that player that you're most looking for? Because I know it, you famously, even on your Twitter header, have Jamar Chase as the 101 in rookie drafts. And, yeah. you know, it started off kind of as a, as a parody of itself, but you really yeah. do believe that he was the, should have been the 101, the best rookie for fantasy. Uh, another one of the reveals I'm looking forward to seeing is, you know, I, I really want to see if Tua is any good. And, you know, we it was tanked for Tua a couple of years ago. I've talked about this on a few pods already. And, you know, last year you can take either side, either he's not good or is it takes time to recover from injury. So if he comes out and just starts slinging at week one, that'll make me excited. All right. Who's a player that you know, and that you believe in and you hope gets off to a slow start in your redraft leagues. So you can make a low ball offer on them in week two or three. Ooh, a player, ooh, maybe that's, that's a player that's susceptible to a slow start that no matter what happens in week one, two, and three, you are just not worried about it. Some people might say Saquon Barkley, like if their owner, get, if their fantasy manager gets, uh, you know, frustrated in week two, they're going to make a low ball offer. Who's a player that you are just ready to make a low ball offer on in week two or three, if they get off to a slow start. Uh, I think we're walking into the same situation with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I guess I could have – this would have been my answer about two weeks ago if we would have known Quentin Nelson was going to be out, Ryan Kelly was going to be out, Carson Wentz. It would have been like – I was actually like – if you would answer me this two weeks ago, I thought about this, and I was like, Jonathan Taylor is going to be another situation where if you don't have him you, and you didn't buy on the dip last year, you're going to be able to buy on the dip again this year. Um, but I would say right now, um, I think ETN with that injury yesterday uh, or the last couple of days, I think that's going to open up a window for you mid-season to get him very, very cheap. Oh, you think um, you're talking about Travis ETN? You think that he's yeah. going to be coming back this year? Uh, no, 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 no. I don't think he's coming back this year. He already put him on the IR, so he's out for the year. I'm saying you said dynasty, right? No, no, in redraft, like in the oh, first two. In, yeah, sorry. Oh, so, yeah, okay, uh, okay. yeah, I should have stipulated that. Sorry. So, okay. you, if I'm talking about a player that this season maybe gets off to a, a slow week one or two that, and cause trades and redraft are almost impossible to make. They're so hard yeah. to make. Cause unless you're trading a running back for a wide receiver and that wide receiver usually has to be better. So who's a player that you think maybe get off to a slow start? Like, like I said, Saquon Barkley is going in the late first round, early second round. And if he has a dud week one and two, he's a player I'm proactively going to be trying to trade for. Maybe, you know, give him, give somebody like wide receiver, like 11 or 14 for him. So is there a player this year? that you think that if they get off to a slow week one or two, that you're still, it's not even going to push you off them in the slightest. DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, he's already, de- he's already dealing with a little bit of injury. Um, and and truthfully, I mean, this is going to go back to this draft we talked about with Roster Watcher Roto Underworld was I took Jamar Jefferson at the undisclosed pick in the first round of a rookie draft. Um, <laughs> but but Jamar Jefferson literally is in line to be getting opportunities week one if this DeAndre Swift injury kind of kind of nags on for the next couple of weeks. And Dan Campbell, we saw him come out and say, yeah, we don't know if he's going to be ready. So you're looking at leagues that – a lot of redraft leagues have drafted right now, I would say, and a lot are going to be drafted in the next couple of weeks. And really, depending where he goes, his current ADP is in, in, in that two-three turn, middle of middle of the third. People are going to be like, 
pissed because that's a high end guy that you're going to want output from right away. And if they don't give it, they don't get it. They're going to be trying to flip him and getting help because they're going to be uh, frantically uh, looking for wins early in the season. That's a guy that if they like, if they don't let him play the first three weeks, that tells you that they're taking the necessary steps to make sure he's healthy when he comes back. And when he comes back, he's still going to get those targets. He's still going to dominate the pass catching and a receiver, a guy I could see coming in, AJ Brown, who, you know, if Julio comes out there day one, they, they push Derrick Henry week one and, and, and AJ Brown's still dealing with a little nagging injuries. He's not quite hundred percent and people are spending that second, third round capital on him. That's going to be another guy they're going to try to get out on and, and try to move off to a more, a more target-based uh, receiver, I'd say. Another guy I'd target. But they're both, yeah. both high-end guys that I think could possibly start out slow but are definitely going to be strong by the end of the season. Yeah, I think the, the Swift call and the A.J. Brown call, both both great targets because people get nervous, you know, and you start seeing these yeah. crazy trades go down in your redraft leagues after week one and two. I think they're, you know, we all panic when our players yeah. don't perform exactly how we want them to, but I think there's definitely, you know, people always talk about, like, what's the edge in fantasy football with so much information out there right now? That's the edge, right? They're taking advantage of early season uncertainty. They, they hate burning those early picks, and, and if it, – it, injuries are like the number one thing where it's like, Oh, I'm dead. I'm done. And then that's when you just take advantage. You have to be always just, just like with the waiver wire. You just always got to be paying attention and knowing, knowing the values of players and when to jump on when, to, when not to. And that's, uh, and, and I know it's, it's not like, like the, Oh, it's not like a deep pick, like someone that, you know, you can get for free, but not someone that's going to get cut. But this is just like, you have to be paying attention to these things because it fluctuates really quickly on some of these guys. All right, Cody, you did it, man. Uh, we're going to be here on the Rotowire live stream every Wednesday, every Wednesday morning. And then if you're listening on the audio podcast, this is the Rotowire preseason Saturday podcast. So this will be posted up in the podcast feed. Uh, definitely go in the feed. Definitely go to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Click subscribe. We're going to have uh, six podcasts, sorry, at least five podcasts a week. Uh, and then if you also want to try Rotowire's Fantasy Football Draft Kit for free, go to rotowire.com forward slash try. No credit card you just go in there and you can get the full draft kit for free for 10 days check everything out the tools and then you choose if you want to subscribe cody why don't you give them your information i know that you've gained some new fans here today uh, i saw people in the comments saying you know i agree with this i love the analytics so give cody a follow on twitter is he's at carpentier nfl c-a-r-p-e-n-t-i-e-r nfl that's follow him on twitter and cody what else do you want to promote today yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Carpentier NFL. Same on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Carpentier NFL. Um, you can find uh, almost all of my stuff at playerprofiler.com. The cornerback rankings on playerprofiler.com are mine. Um, and then those are updated every single week. Um, the cornerback wide receiver matchups are updated every week. You can find draft boards from the 2022 NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, undercovered ops, my in season show that breaks down the wide receiver threes and fours on teams and who. And kind of like what we talked about here, who's going to break out guys who are growing in uh, situations. So like a Quez Watkins from last year. Now you've seen him break out. He's growing opportunities last year. That's my show. You can find that on Roto Underworld Radio. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find all my stuff. So I appreciate you having me on, Alan. This is uh, always good to chop it up with you. 
Yeah, man. Dude, uh, you you know, like, you're one of my favorite follows uh, on social media, and I listen to all your stuff too. So again, that's you know, I only have the <laughs> I have the people on this live stream and our podcast that I am fans of, and you know, there's so many uh, great content creators out there, and I just want to share them with the world. So uh, thank you. It. And if you found value, uh, if you had got some value out of this live stream today, just do us a favor, uh, no obligation, but just click subscribe on the uh, Rotowire YouTube channel, uh, click like button if you want. It helps us out. And again, if you found value today, that's that's the best way to repay us. No obligation, but that definitely helps us out. All right, Cody, we'll definitely have you back during the season. You're now a, uh, a regular. Obviously, you're a fan favorite over here. Uh, everybody will see you soon and tune in uh, to uh, to Jeff Erickson's podcast later today. He has a special guest back on the live stream. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.